This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Happy Black Friday, one and all. Welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross here. Joe and Aaron are off, but back here for a second straight day. I didn't scare her off. It's Kate Constable. We are here from 9 to noon Eastern on the BeckQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BeckQL and YouTube. And follow us on X at BeckQL Daily. Joining us on this Black Friday, John Daigle from 4 for 4 in Betsperts with his favorite prop plays for the weekend. And Matt Josephs, a.k.a. Mid-Major Matt from FTN, gets us ready for rivalry week in college football. But of course, the top story that we have to get to today Above all other things, Kate, 24 and a half is the total between Iowa and Nebraska. Are you kidding me? 24 and thought, a half? I thought you were going with the with the Packers upsetting the Lions yesterday. Yeah, 24 and a half. That's an insane number. I'm still taking the under on that. This is going to be field goal central in Lincoln, Nebraska today between Iowa and Nebraska. You have to take the under on that, right? How? At what point does this total become a negative number? When does that happen? I mean, happen? I wouldn't be shocked if it gets down to like 10 at some point in Iowa's um, future. Well, I guess they are firing their offensive coordinator. So let's hope it never gets below a 24 and a half again, because that's that's just an absurd number. That's embarrassing I, I mean, what it is, really. That, that, that is nuts. Like, we're, we're talking high school level. Uh, we're yeah. talking, uh, you know, Division Four. even though there's no such thing as Division Four. <laughs> I, I, that, that's preposterous. Anyway, uh, have you finished your Black Friday shopping yet? Uh, because I hear that's going on today. Um, no, I have not. You know what? I've, I've never been Black Friday shopping. I've never gone out and, like, stood in a line and waited at a store. Really? I hate shopping in general. Like, in, oh. in general, kind of. I hate crowds even more. So, like, that's my worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be online this afternoon hitting up those Black Friday deals. Cyber Monday is when my carts are going to be full by Monday. Mm-hmm. I cash out everything with the Cyber Monday deals then. So, I've got quite a bit of, of research to do based on what I, you know, want to buy this season. Christmas right. presents I need to buy, all that jazz. Uh, but I mm-hmm. won't be leaving the house to do any shopping today. So if all the bets that you placed yesterday and all the winnings that you have that you will be using for Cyber Monday, uh, which one stood out to you? Which one was your favorite? Well, I didn't win too many bets yesterday, Ed. Uh, <laughs> lost the Lions pretty quickly. That teaser uh, kind of no kidding. Uh, went, went to the grave early in the day. Uh, Cowboys team total over. That was uh, easy. 
Easy. Um, so, we were eye to eye on that one. We we both knew we over 30 and a half was more than comfortable there. Like, even though it was yeah. a, a lower scoring game for much of the third quarter, we knew they, they'd turn it on. Deron Bland would, of course, set an NFL record. Of course, we were anticipating that, obviously. Right. Uh, but, that was all, but yes, that was the one. That that's the one where everyone's going to have a Merry Christmas now because we, uh, you know, placed that one and probably did more than, uh, uh, you know, your usual unit on that one just because the Cowboys have been so reliable at home scoring points and it's not just Dak to CD Lamb like he's distributing the football a good bit and uh, again super impressive performance by the Cowboys uh, pretty much on all levels. Yeah, except I am a little disappointed that Dak was distributing the football to more than just CeeDee Lamb yesterday because I also had yeah. Lamb to go over his receiving yards. Uh, so that did not hit either. But yeah, that Cowboys mm-hmm. team total, easy. I have another team total that I love today that we'll get into a little bit later in the show. Okay. But I thought the Cowboys just looked great. I mean, all around, they they looked like the far and away better football team than the commanders. I was a little impressed with Sam Howell and some of the throws he was able to make 300 yards. Yes. Didn't throw a touchdown uh, and did toss a pick, but for the most part, I mean, he kept, he kept Washington in that game. Like you said, midway through the third They they were still in it. So uh, impressed by what he did, but I think Dak's playing some of the best football that we've seen throughout his entire career. He just looks really confident in his throws and in his progressions where he's going with the football. And that's limited a lot of those turnovers that we saw last year. And then to your point, so many different weapons um, on the outside in the backfield that he's able to utilize and play calling was great yesterday. Just, you know, spraying the ball around to multiple different uh, players to do some damage. So like where the Cowboys are sitting right now, it's just, can they go on the road and beat a good team? We know they beat up Mm -hmm. really bad teams at home. Can they do that on the road? That's the next question for them. Uh, And it certainly is just because the conditions are going to be different. Oftentimes you're not indoors. The field can be different. So that can very much affect timing with, you know, passes and catching and all that good stuff. Uh, But I know despite all the great things that Dak Prescott did, this Cowboys defense, even though it's not the best in the NFL, certainly they did some outstanding things. Micah Parsons, eight pressures, one and a half sacks. Uh, Osa Digizua, five pressures, three run stuffs. Didn't get that sack that I was hoping for that I bet on, unfortunately. But still, he had an, a fantastic outing. Of course, Deron Bland set the NFL record for most pick sixes uh, in one season. It's been a great story for him. Wasn't even the starting cornerback for the Cowboys. Uh, basically, just had to come on to replace Trayvon Diggs uh, when he was injured and uh, declared out for the rest of the season. But definitely, there is that lesson when it comes to Deron Bland that, okay, just because you have a bunch of pick sixes – doesn't necessarily mean that you are the best cover corner in the NFL. It's all about opportunities, right? If you are targeted, then the quarterback must think that you are beatable. And while there may have been more than a few quarterbacks who may have been incorrect as far as that read is concerned, uh, Bland certainly having the record uh, is impressive on the one hand. But on the other hand, it is that tricky thing where you're trying to figure out, okay, who have the best coverage units in football? Where can we find it outside of the Browns? Because they do everything really well. Well, when it comes to the Cowboys, uh, if Bland is the one who can seize opportunities, that means that quarterbacks aren't targeting anyone else because they do feel like they are going to suffer through an interception that way. So overall, when it comes to uh, this Cowboys football team, you know, it's it's funny. We were talking about this yesterday or about 
what do we think about the Cowboys going forward? Is this a different team, even though they're probably destined for another five seed, another wild card? But I think this defense can be a good bit better than last year. And we saw that even though it was against Sam Howell and company. Still, though, I think that defensive performance leads me to believe that they're just a little bit different. Maybe there's a little more swagger that we can buy into this go-round. Well, and with Bland setting this record, I mean, teams had to have known what he was doing throughout the first half of the season with the interceptions mm-hmm. and stuff, but the record just kind of puts him on the map even more that all of a sudden teams are probably going to start to think twice about going to his side. And that shuts down uh, a lot of, you know, the passing game for opposing teams when they're already going to him because of the the backs that are on the other side of the field. And so it's just going to limit uh team's ability to throw the ball downfield. And I, I just have to wonder how good the secondary uh, and this defense would be at if Diggs were healthy this season. I mean, they're missing mm-hmm. arguably their best player uh, on the defensive side, or, or at least in the secondary. So uh, this Dallas defense, it looks it, uh, for all intents and purposes, it looks great right now. It's just, we've seen that before from Dallas and you just have to see it more consistently, right? Like that was kind of the issue in previous years is consistency. They can put some great performances together, string a few, but you need to see it throughout the entirety of the year in order for them to, you know, reach Mm -hmm. their goals of getting a Super Bowl at the end. And they're at this disadvantage in that the Eagles are not just in the same conference, but in the same division as well. And even though I do think that Philadelphia has taken a step back compared with last year, the record is not indicative of that. And it's possible the Eagles could finish with the top seed. And then, of course, that means home field advantage throughout the NFC portion of the playoffs, all that good stuff. That's going to matter a good bit in terms of the Cowboys needing to be consistent because they really can't have any more missteps, Uh, even though, uh, you know, this game that we will be talking about later in the program between the Eagles and the Bills is a fascinating one. At the same time, if Philadelphia is not offering any wiggle room whatsoever, that means the Cowboys pretty much have to maintain that level of consistency or else they're going to be in big trouble as far as uh, what they will be facing going forward. So Cowboys won in two weeks. Absolutely. They do. Absolutely. They do an important one to say the least Uh, Cowboys win that game 45 to 10, the lions Lions stuff. They lose to the Packers 29 to 22 picture this for me. Kate, picture this for me. So let's say you're playing in Circus Survivor and you have to make a pick for the Thanksgiving games, uh, which also includes uh, today's Black Friday game between the Dolphins and the Jets. But imagine, if you will, having to save the Lions or the Cowboys because you know you have so few teams that you must make a pick for uh, when it comes to that Thanksgiving window. And you spend every single week trying to avoid taking the Detroit Lions, because you know full well that against this anemic offense in the Green Bay Packers and a defense that looks injury riddled, that you feel like your chances are pretty good. Certainly the spread was uh, suggesting as much that Detroit was an eight and a half point favorite. And you've spent every single week trying to avoid the Lions and you're having to sweat through all these random games just so that you can get to the Thanksgiving festivities. And then you're eating lunch with your family or friends or whomever, and you figure out, okay, this should be in the bag. I don't have to sweat this. And while you're at this holiday festivities, things don't go your way. And you lose lose your survivor pick, and you are done for the season. 
all of that hard work down the drain. And you're probably learning this in a public space in front of family and friends who may not quite understand uh, just the torture that you are going through. I got to believe that if you're going to lose out on Survivor over Thanksgiving, that's got to be far more heartbreaking than, say, like week 16, 17, something like that. Well, yeah, because you have to be happy and excited and, you know, uh, around family for the rest of the day. It sounds like you that's a, a what do you call it? A first, um, did that happen first to you world yesterday, problems? Ed? Is that what you're trying? No, no, no. No, no, um, no, no. Oh, that didn't happen to you yesterday. Oh, no, no, no. I, I lost a long time ago uh, because of the Jaguars, but. Oh, I thought definitely this was a, um, you were recounting something, you know, pers- your afternoon yesterday. Oh, no, 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 no. But I can imagine this happening to several people because, yeah, I was looking at uh, how uh, the Circa picks were faring. A lot of people picked the Lions because you think about it, a lot of people went after the Cowboys just a couple of weeks ago when they were (laughs) seemingly 20 point favorites against the Giants and then covered that massive numbers. You figure, okay, well, we've gotten this deep into the season you're supposed to have like maybe two to three teams like for those holiday stretches just so that you can be comfortable and you know exactly who you should have and you have a backup option, all that good stuff. And so really the right process was to have the Lions and the Cowboys close to time and then make sure you have one available for you, uh, you know, come Thanksgiving. And the Lions share picked the Lions and now they have been eliminated. So I think I'm just more imagining how those Thanksgivings went uh, for those circuit participants uh, when things didn't quite work out for them. And those other survivor pool participants, uh, say, who are forced to pick on Thanksgiving. I was I was thinking that the the puns would stop on Thanksgiving, but the Lions share picking the Lions. That was that was that was good, Ed. You're you're sharp this morning. Um yeah, thankfully <laughs> I <laughs> I was not in that group um that picked the Lions yesterday, but same story for the Lions, right? Turnovers. That's what's that's what ruins them. Three turnovers yesterday. Yes, Jared Goff didn't throw an interception like he did in the previous week, but still turnovers are what kills the lions they kind of shoot themselves in the foot in that sense and uh, earlier in the week i was leaning towards the packers all week and i part of my reasoning for that was that i don't really trust the lions to not have these uh mistakes but i ended up going with the lions in a teaser figuring you know what even if they do have a turnover still gonna beat this packers offense that's been pretty poor throughout the season and i i just screwed myself because that was um well to Give the Packers credit. Probably one of the most complete performances we've seen from Green Bay this season. They mm-hmm. they did I'll play say. very, yeah. very well, right? That had to have been their best game. Mm-hmm. Oh, a- absolutely was. And they were making the most of those opportunities. I mean, the Lions going one of five on fourth down. Credit the Packers defense for some of that. Like, it wasn't just the Lions, you know, being silly. No, the, the Packers defense had a lot to do with that. They were also able to recover those fumbles. So definitely it was a complete game performance uh, on their behalf. Also, real quickly, we can talk about the 49ers and Seahawks. San Francisco wins that one 31 to 13. Christian McCaffrey, 19 carries, 114 yards and two touchdowns. Like we said yesterday, don't just bet on Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown at minus 350. That's just bad process. No, either parlay it with something else or do multi touchdowns and that would have been just fine either way yeah um i'm the idiot that left mccaffrey off my card yesterday completely 
at the moment he mm. like within the first three minutes of the game i was like that was a mistake but can't bet it now numbers are gone happy thanksgiving one and all this is Becky L Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we start our preview of Sunday's NFL action, beginning in the AFC South. Jaguars, Texans, Bucks, Colts, and so much more. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. on a plate I would say zero percent doesn't this dim welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM Eddie Gross and Kate Constable here with you and it's time to talk about Sunday's NFL action for this week 12 and let's start with the Buccaneers and the Colts Indianapolis two and a half point favorites at home with a total of 44 and a half Kate this game is sneaky good and sneaky interesting tampa bay still very much in the hunt to win the nfc south indianapolis not at all out of it when it comes to getting an afc wild card spot all of those things being considered what do you like in this game i'm not sure i'm really not sure what i like in this game if anything at all i'm concerned about the bucks secondary um a little banged mm-hmm. up right now Brian Neal out with them, uh, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean dealing with injuries. They're questionable. I mean, if, if they have to start some rookies in the secondary, that could be an issue for the Colts passing game. Um, now, I would imagine the Colts are going to try and run the ball with Jonathan Taylor as much as possible. But still, that opens things up for, you know, some deep shots and to just kind of like open up the game a little bit and allow the running game to get going. So, Colts at home, though, have also been really bad. Like, they're much better Mm -hmm. on the road. So I don't really know what to make of this game. If anything, I would probably lean towards an under. That total 44.5, I mean, that's not terribly high. I feel like that's kind of like, you know, right around average. It's high in today's NFL. (laughs) Game like that. But, yeah, so I would have to lean towards the under just thinking that these teams aren't going to be able to score a lot because their offenses have been so bad. Um, if I had to take a side, mm-hmm. probably go t- lean towards the Bucks, even though I would love a three there. Mm-hmm. In a game like this, I look towards which team is going to turn the ball over more, and Baker Mayfield's actually been pretty good at taking care of the football. So uh, leaning towards the Bucks, but I'm not putting any of my money on this game. That's just kind of the way I'm looking at it. No, and all of those are uh, fair critiques, I would say, when it comes to, yes, this should be a a fun game, to say the least, uh, sneaky fun, I suppose. But at the same time, you you look at this matchup, and okay, there's a lot that perhaps leaves to be desired just because Gardner Minshew, is he relying on his running game a little bit more than perhaps he, well, rather, that Gardner Minshew is probably airing it out a little bit too often, that that maybe he should keep things a little bit more conservative. I don't know. Uh, but what's in, what I think has impressed me the most when it comes to Tampa Bay is just that Baker Mayfield has not been the Baker Mayfield old. He was always rattled whenever pressured, Mm -hmm. whenever he was blitzed, bad things would tend to happen. And it was something that you could set your watch to. But now Baker Mayfield's actually played fairly well. Not that he's always making something out of nothing, but especially when he's getting outside the pocket because of pressure or things like that, he's been okay. 
Yeah, his sack rate has started to go up a little bit over these last few weeks, but it's not at an alarming rate to where you feel like, okay, I don't know if Mayfield should be a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore. I think he has taken a step forward just in terms of his overall career trajectory. And so in that respect, I do feel like that, yes, the Colts defense is great against play action. They're okay defending short passes. But I do feel like that Baker Mayfield, especially with that connection to Mike Evans, can be something that will give Indianapolis fits. And because I still love Mike Evans, I still believe that he's an outstanding receiver and you know, also sort of highlights just how top-heavy the Bucks have been all season long. I think Tampa Bay can cover this number. I think they can keep it within two. Do you think Mayfield's turnaround is a product of the Bucks' style of play and coaching? Like, mm-hmm. how do you go from struggling so much with the Browns that they don't bring you back, you jump around a couple different places, and now it's just odd that at this point in his career, he's finally playing like the, the player that people thought he was when they drafted him? Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of that is offensive coordinator Dave Canales. I think a lot of that is uh, having him roll out just a little bit more. Pre-step motion is certainly something that they've emphasized. And I think just having Baker Mayfield in a position where things aren't just so predictable, I think that's helped him out a good bit because I think his ad-libbing is something that Mayfield probably prides himself in. And he needs to be in a structure where at least there's a little bit of room for that. And it seems to me like that has sort of been embraced. And there's a reason why he won the quarterback job is just because the way this offense is structured sort of caters to Mayfield's athleticism. And we're finally seeing that in full display to where, yes, especially with a couple of hot shot receivers, they can actually do enough to keep things interesting. Like they're, they're not going to be world beaters. Like there's an obvious ceiling as far as what Mayfield and this offense can accomplish. And they will figure out down the road what that means as far as personnel. But in the here and the now, there's a reason why the Bucks are still very much in contention for that division. And a lot of that is just because of this wonderful marriage that's gone on between Mayfield's athleticism and Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator. Now, when it comes to props here, um, what I find fascinating is while the rushing attack for the Colts uh, is much ballyhooed, uh, notably with Jonathan Taylor, I do wonder if this is going to be a slower game and say the pace of play goes down a little bit, whether drives are sputtering or say like Mayfield's constantly completing short passes and yeah, he's moving the sticks, but these drives are lasting seven to eight minutes to where say Jonathan Taylor is just not going to be on the field for very long. And so I wonder with this prop at 80 and a half rushing yards, if it's best to look at the under just because of circumstance. Yeah, I do kind of like that look. And how many games have we seen from Jonathan Taylor where he's just exploded this year? Not too many. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's been the best back for the Colts. I mean, for, for good reason. And he, is the main piece in that offense, but he hasn't had like a ton of explosions. So I'm, I'd be fine looking at an under there, uh, especially with a, a lot of the players yesterday. And I mean, I guess this is main, I shouldn't say a lot of the players, but like CD mm-hmm. didn't necessarily go off. Like we thought he would just because he's been having some, some big time games. So I always tend to look to overs because you know, that's more fun to bet. You want to root for a lot of action, but the unders, this could be a week where unders are kind of the trend, and especially for some of these top players whose lines are a little uh, inflated because they are carrying their teams. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And there are several games, I think, for this weekend where we're probably not going to be paying as close of attention. I think this is still a really good game, but it may not be a popular game nationally. And if that's the case, then maybe you're a little bit more comfortable betting an under. And maybe that's the sharp play, ultimately, just because uh, it may not be so star-studded in a game like this. It might be those secondary players who are ultimately going to decide the outcome of this one. How about we move on to a game that I know you and I agree is massively important, and that would be the Jaguars and the Texans. Jacksonville, one-and-a-half-point favorites here on the road with a total of 47-and-a-half. A nice, fun, higher total. Thank goodness for that, Kate. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I like the over in this game. I think both mm-hmm. of these offenses could, this could kind of just be a back and forth shootout today. A lot of what these teams' defensive weaknesses are kind of play into the hands of each other's offense and the quarterback's strengths because the pass, the passing defense for both these teams, not all that great, but what do these teams or what do these two quarterbacks look to do most? Throw the ball. I mean, CJ Stroud is averaging, what, 300 some yards on the season? Um, has yeah. had some massive big yardage games. I know he had those three um, red zone interceptions last week, but turn a couple of those into touchdowns and all of a sudden this total could be even higher. Um, Maybe we're getting a little bit of a discount because of some of those uh, interceptions from Stroud that led to no points being scored for the Texans. So I'm looking at the over in this one. I know this is a very important game for the division too, because the Texans have already beat the Jags at home earlier this year. So Jaguars kind of have to win this game, but I, I'd lean towards the Texans both on the side and um, the over in this one. It has felt like that Houston has had value when it comes to betting on them to win the AFC South. I mean, there was a time when their odds uh, had it at 11 to one. Uh, Certainly it's much shorter now, but I still feel like that there's value in this. I mean, look, Texans win this game and they have the tiebreaker over the Jaguars. I believe the Texans have a much easier schedule uh, the rest of the way, just because the Jaguars have that first place slate. So, yes, lots of opportunities to sort of back the Texans here in some way, shape, or form. Even something as simple as an over-team total is probably a safe mm-hmm. play. I also think, too, that the first matchup between the two, which I know all too well because of Survivor, probably doesn't mean all that much here just because of all the fluky things that happened in that contest. There are probably still nuggets that you can extract from it, but I think for the most part, how both teams have played over the last few weeks, I think that's going to say a lot more about what the meeting will look like Sunday than say how they played against each other several weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what special teams mistakes, some turnovers for the Jaguars in that first meeting, things that they've cleaned up and we haven't seen a ton from them since. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think you you look back at that game and that tells you exactly how to bet this one. Um, I've been impressed with the Texans defense. I would say that they have the better defense right now over the Jaguars. And you look at their past couple of games, that's been uh, they've been great on that side of the ball. So, I, I mean, at home. You're getting a couple points. Plus, Trevor Lawrence is one and four against the spread when playing against the Texans. Now I know this Texans team is better this year and and um, quite different from last the last couple seasons, but that only makes me like the Texans in this spot even more because they are better and and Lawrence has 
been losing to the lesser Texans teams uh, <laughs> quite a bit in terms of covering spreads these last couple of seasons. Yeah, I'm with you as far as uh, some criticisms with this Jaguars defense. The pass rush, I think, is great. Josh Allen, Foye Oluokun, all that, they're great. And it's especially going to be important going up against a rookie quarterback who might be hanging on to the ball a little too long. You look at C.J. Stroud's average time to throw. It is beyond three seconds, and you would probably tend to expect that from a rookie quarterback, even a sensational one like C.J. Stroud. No doubt about it that he's been unbelievable. You know, the connections with Nico Collins and Tank Dell have been unbelievable. Uh, But at the same time, if you're hanging on to the ball that long, going up against elite pass rushers, if that offensive line breaks down in any way or they're able to attack the weak link, then that could spell disaster for Stroud. And so I would not be surprised, uh, and I believe Damian Pierce uh, is practicing fully now, I would not be surprised if, say, the Texans sort of rely on the running game a little bit more. Like, I'm certainly not going to try and dissuade you from going over there just because of game script. But I do think, though, that the Texans might rely on the rushing attack just a little bit more. And maybe from a prop perspective, there is some way to capitalize on that. Uh, Not seeing any props for, say, Singletary or Pierce, Uh, But still, though, once we have a clear idea of what this Texans backfield is going to look like, definitely that's what I'm going to be targeting. What's something in the prop market that stands out to you? Well, that makes me a little nervous, Ed, because the Jags run defense fourth in the league. I mean, only 87 yards on the ground per game this season. So I'm not sure I'd go with uh, any running back props for the Texans. I might go Stroud over one and a half touchdowns. I I still think that Mm -hmm. he's able to get some stuff done through the air. Um, It kind of goes along with my total of going over. If if the total over is going to hit, I'm going to need some TDs from from Stroud. And uh, you mentioned the connection he's had between Nico Collins and Tank Dell. I mean, they both have over 650 yards on the season, each of them. So hauling in a ton of passes. So I'm looking at uh, Stroud props. I think you could also maybe look at an interception for him as well. Just after those three last week, maybe things start to, I don't want to say unravel by any means, um, but, you know, maybe he gets a little bit more loose with the ball, um, trying to not force interceptions or, or, you know, (laughs) holds on to it a little bit too long and those types of things as a result happen. But I would say over uh, one and a half passing touchdowns. Although now that I'm looking at that, that's kind of heavily juiced. So maybe you, um, mm, minus 143, don't love that, actually. Uh, I'd go over I would not do it at that price. Yeah, completions might make a good bit more sense. Perhaps. 22 and a half. That number seems kind of low. A little bit. But I, I also think they might be rolling on the ground game a little bit more. I know I get that the matchup is, is going to be a challenging one. But at the same time, like if you have the personnel to do it, especially with you have right. fresh legs there, I think that may uh, right. work out well for them. Let's move on now to the Panthers and the Titans. Tennessee three and a half point favorites at home with a total of 36 and a half. Low total. So we just automatically go with the under, right? <laughs> automatically. Yeah, right? You have to. I yeah, mean, of both yeah. of these offenses – are awful awful panthers 31st in total offense 29th in run 29th in pass 20th and third down conversion and it's not much better over on the titan side 27th in total 19th in run 27th in pass 27th in third down conversion i don't think we're going to be seeing a whole lot of points today the this total is insanely low for an nfl game but i feel like that still has to be kind of the right side i don't see these offenses doing a whole lot and honestly panthers defense um i don't want to say it's been good it's been decent but that would be the bright spot of this team i think 
Yeah. Yeah, they have yeah. good players, but part part of the problem is they've been hurt. Like they, they've been injury yeah. prone, you know, pretty much all season long. So that's part of the issue having to have replacement guys kind of come in and still scheme this thing up. Uh, but as far as uh, what side I'm taking, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like because this Carolina defense uh, has been problematic at times, I'm going to back the Titans here. My model has this mm-hmm. as Tennessee minus four and a half to minus five. Uh, maybe a better live opportunity, depending upon what the Panthers try and do defensively. But even though Will Levis, you know, he's had some lackluster performances, I still feel like against this defense that he can shine. He can chuck it deep. He'll probably get some deep completions, maybe notably to DeAndre Hopkins. I'm expecting either that or a fantastic ground game. Either way, I think the Titans uh, have more than enough weapons uh, to cover this spread. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, a pivotal matchup in the NFC South between the Saints and Falcons. That and a lot more right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Kate Constable here with you. Let's get back to the games, and we'll start with the Patriots and the Giants. Currently, New England is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite with a total of 34. So, Kate, interesting thing happened to me last week where you recall the Giants were massive underdogs to the Washington Commanders, uh, hovering around double digits there. And even though the Giants pulled off the outright upset, my model also said, hey, guess what? Back the Giants here. The spread is just way too big. Washington's just not good enough uh, to be nine, ten point favorites. And I just couldn't do it with Tommy DeVito. I just could not pull the trigger. So it turned into a stay away for me, even though my model was telling me to back the G-men. And that's exactly what's happening again. It's telling me to back the Giants. This should be more like a one-point spread. But it's still Tommy DeVito. So I'm like really torn about this. Like, should I have learned a lesson or not? What do you think? Uh, I mean, that's so tough. I wouldn't have wanted to back Tommy DeVito last week either, and I don't want to back him this week again. But, hey, if your model was right last week, whatever numbers you're putting in there might be accurate again this week, especially, like, do we know if Mac Jones is going to be the starter for the Patriots? I don't even think that's been announced yet, right? It hasn't been announced, but the fact that he held serve at a news conference leads me to believe that he's still the guy. Like, I don't know if you would okay. trot out a quarterback for a news conference only for him not to start. So that's just that's my rationale. Uh, I'm just assuming that he's going to start in that case. Not to mention, too, like, I think it's insane to believe that Bailey Zappi, of all people, will give the Patriots a spark. There are many, <laughs> many other problems the Patriots have. Bailey Zappi is not going to solve most of them. They are pretty much stuck with Mac Jones. And look, maybe this is silly of me to say, but I don't think Mac Jones is the worst quarterback in the NFL. So, you know, you're 
you know, when you're stuck with him, it's not like you can't win games, especially a game like this where the Giants, you know, they're just a shell of their former selves. Uh, but at the same time, though, like the Patriots are struggling on so many different aspects. Yeah, uh, Patriots offense, 17 or fewer points in all but two games this season. That's awful. Mm-hmm. That's awful. I mean, it's not that the Giants have been a whole lot better. Um, my, my only concern, well, I have a lot of concerns with Tommy DeVito, but <laughs> he gets the win last week. Do we really think he can come in and win two games in a row in the NFL? Like, I, I just don't, especially against, like, the Patriots' defense is what has kept them in games when they have been able to stay in some of these games. It's the defense. So I'm not sure DeVito's going to be able to have the same type of success. Now, do I want to lay over a field goal with the Patriots? No, I don't want to do that. So in that case, looking at the spread, I would probably lean towards the Giants as well. But really, and I mean, I don't have a model that's telling me what to do in this one. And so I'm probably not going to play anything in this one because both of these teams are so volatile and things can spiral out of control pretty quickly for both of them that I don't trust either of them. And if I can't trust a team or kind of know what to expect from them, I can't put any money on them. So I'm staying off of this game completely. No props or anything like that. No, no under total because you know that these quarterbacks are uh, stinking up. Yeah, the, joint. the under maybe, but that's still so low. I mean, thirty six in the last game right. we talked about thirty six and a half in the Panthers. That one was that one was even low. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a full full pass on this game altogether. Okay. No, that's fair. Like, I I certainly am not, like, overwhelmingly enthusiastic to back the Giants here. But I think the biggest reason why I probably will pull the trigger ultimately, aside from my model telling me to, but when you look at the Patriots offense versus the Giants defense, defense coordinator for New York, Wink Martindale, you think of a blitz-happy D.C., right? Like, that's what he did with Baltimore. That's what he's doing with the Giants. The question, though, is what if he isn't blitz happy in a game like this? What if he only sends four pass rushers or fewer? Can the Patriots avoid secondary sacks? Well, the numbers say no. Part of the problem the Patriots are having right now is not so much, okay, the offensive line is breaking down all the time. Part of it is just really bad decision making where if everybody's playing back and the pocket is clean, Mac Jones is still making mistakes. He has the third worst EPA per dropback on non-blitzes among qualifying quarterbacks. And I look at that problem and I go, okay, how is Bailey Zappi going to fit that? Yeah, some of that is certainly decision-making by the quarterback, but I don't know if Zappi is going to come in and fix the decision-making. Like, I, I expect that process is still going to be flawed just as much with him as it is with Jones right now. And so given that and the overall tenor and the fact that they're going to be running the ball a good bit, the Giants will be, I think there are enough reasons why I think this spread is just too big. So I will take the G-men at home here uh, begrudgingly, begrudgingly, (laughs) but I think I can still do it. You're very brave. You're very brave. But I mean, good points about Bailey Zappi. Like he's not going to come in and turn things around any better than Mac Jones has or anyone that they put under center today. I, Mm -hmm. this Patriots team has just been a absolute disaster this year. It's crazy that they're at this point with how much success that they've had (laughs) and the success of Bill Belichick, but to think he could not be the head coach of the New England Patriots (laughs) next year is pretty wild. It is. It is. Uh, He's been a staple there for a really, really long time. But, you know, all good things must come to an end, I suppose. And 
you know, it's not just this year. Last year also has to be explained in some way. Like you can't just Mm -hmm. constantly have these lackluster performances and you're starting to string them together. At some point, you have to be responsible for the decisions that you're making. And one of them was putting Mac Jones in a position of failure. And, you know, you have to be responsible for that and uh, take ownership as far as that's concerned. How about we move on now to the Saints and the Falcons. This spread, speaking of volatile stuff, this spread has been all over the place. As of right now, it's the Saints as one and a half point favorites with a total of 41 and a half. Kate, how are you playing it? I'm leaning towards the Saints in this one. It's tough because so Derek Carr is going to play cleared concussion protocol. Mm -hmm. Um, but without Marshawn Lattimore and Michael Thomas for the Saints, I worry about the I worry about their offense a little. I mean, Michael Thomas has kind of been Carr's go-to guy this season. I know um, he still has Olave and some other weapons on the outside. Um, but this is another one where, especially with the, all the movement in this in this game. I, I don't really know what to think about it because I don't feel like I have these are the last the last two teams and these two, four teams in the league that I don't feel like I have a good handle on. And if I don't have a good mm-hmm. handle or kind of know what to expect from you, even if it is like, I know that you're going to collapse in the second half. Like at least I know mm-hmm. that and I can use that in my handicapping. I don't know that with, with these two teams uh, because week to week, it kind of feels different. So I'm leaning towards the saints um, because I guess I trust Derek Carr a little bit more than Desmond Ritter. And that's okay. Right. Like, I mean, right. Derek Carr is not the worst quarterback in the league. I mean, he he may underwhelm you. He may not meet expectations given what the contract he does, he status does is. Heavily underwhelm me. Yeah, and that's fair to say. But that doesn't make him like the worst quarterback. I mean, what is it right. like? The Saints suck less than everyone else in the division. I think that's yes. probably the most concise way to put it. And especially and on it, the road, yeah. It's it's Saints okay to defense. Sort of I have a little bit more faith in too. So that's right. those two factors make me lean towards um, New Orleans in this one. How are you playing? And, and even with Lattimore being out, like there's still enough depth in that secondary where you can be comfortable that they can take away those deep passes uh, from Desmond Ritter. And honestly, I would argue they kind of need them to win a game like this. Like I certainly think uh, mm-hmm. the Saints run defense should be okay to handle all those outside zone runs that they are going to attempt because that's kind of what the Falcons are known for. But I think also too, they would like to be able to have at least a couple of deep shots just to kind of keep a defense honest. uh, The Falcons offense might. So in that respect, if that's already taken away because the secondary is elite, no matter who's back there, uh, then it's almost entirely about the ground game. And you really can't be one dimensional, uh, especially against the Saints, but I just think in general against any kind of mediocre to great team, you can't be one dimensional like that. Like it cannot be all about Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier and company. You have to have much more of a passing attack to, to be good in that respect. And when it comes to Ritter, I mean, you know, on again, off again, starting, not starting, you know, got to bring in Taylor Heineke because you need that spark or whatever. At some point, all of this volatility is going to be detrimental. Maybe it's not. Maybe this is going to be one of those lone exceptions. But for the most part, when you're going back and forth with your starting quarterback this way, and it's not an injury matter, I have to think at some point the whole system crumbles. 
Well, I think that we're seeing that because the last three games they've lost by what four, five points at the most last two each by Mm -hmm. three. So you get them in a close game scenario and they're just not able to close it out. And that's probably with Ritter being in and out of of the game each week, putting in new guys Mm -hmm. to kind of fill some of these spots to try and get that spark. But then the continuity down the stretch, being able to close things out or to uh, make a, a late game comeback, it just isn't there. So if you have a, a another tight spread again this week, one and a half, I would have more faith in the Saints being able to close this out than it would be the Falcons to finally learn how to win a game down the stretch. Probably my play for this one's going to be the under 41 and a half. It has gone down just a little bit. So uh, definitely capturing some CLV uh, from earlier in the week. But I still think under 41 and a half is a just fine look here just because the quarterback play leaves something to be desired. How about we move on now to the Steelers and the Bengals. Pittsburgh, one and a half point favorites here with a total of 35 and a half. Speaking of quarterbacks we may not trust, here are two more that we have to talk about. Like, who's the starting quarterback for the Bengals? A rhetorical question, but, like, I, I don't know anything yeah, about right. him, right? Um, mm-hmm. And do I trust Kenny Pickett? Like, some of the stats that I have doing a little research on this game, writing down for Pickett, are awful. Seven, over his past seven games, just over 1,000 yards passing, two touchdowns and one two touchdowns over seven games? What is going on? But I do wonder if maybe the firing of Matt Canada gives the Steelers another little spark. Sometimes, you know, a coach gets fired and all of a sudden the team kind of rallies. We saw that with the Raiders. I know that was their head coach earlier this year. Uh, And then just Mm -hmm. the blow to the Bengals without Joe Burrow. That's just like sucking the life out of that team this season. So I'm leaning towards the Steelers in this one, Ed. I think I'm going to take the other side here just because I think we are overrating the offensive coordinator change in Pittsburgh. I'm expecting them to roll out the same offense as they did before. And for some reason, I still trust the receivers for the Bengals. Uh, Even in short yardage situations, I think they can do just enough with the short game uh, to keep things interesting. So I am going to back Cincy there. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, John Dangle gives us his favorite bets for the weekend of Week 12's NFL action. That's right here on the BetQL Network.